Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, as always, is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, bows out. We've been playing it for a week, and honestly, I'm liking the format a lot. I don't feel so badly about the fact that there are bombs in the format. It's been fresh. It's been fun. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's no secret to anyone who's been watching my stream or or follows me on Twitter and seeing the slew of decks I've been posting. I love this format and I'm also crushing it. I'm like sub 80% win rate just slightly and like just sub 50% trophy rate. Like I'm winning a lot in this set. It's really like jiving with me. I think that's mostly because of how much I love blood. But yeah, I think the format's great and I'm excited to talk about it. Let's do it. All right, so a few housekeeping things before we dive into our episode. Out for blood. I don't know how many blood-like phrases or puns <laughs> I'm going to be able to keep churning through. I did I did resort to Googling phrases with the word blood in them the other day. Um, so I, I don't know how much we're going to be able to do that. But I do want to talk about blood this week. And we're going to be talking about, you know, I think just continuing big picture stuff. We're going to check in on the top commons, compare them to what the data has suggested, maybe talk about what that might suggest. And then we're just going to go through a few draft logs. I think it's important to show early in the set how we're navigating drafts in this format, what we're doing. Maybe I don't think there are slight differences here between best of three and best of one, but I'm playing best of three. Ben has been playing best of one. So if there's any differences there, we might come across them. But let's get to some housekeeping stuff. First things first, the Patreon, patreon.com slash Lords of Limited. It's where you can go to give back to the show if you so choose. A lot of great stuff over over at the Patreon, of course, everybody gets access to the Discord, which we say is the best place on the internet for 24-7 limited tech support. And we're going to be retooling some Patreon stuff in the coming weeks, but we don't want to drop that just yet because we've got another exciting announcement to get to in a little bit. But before that, we want to shout out our new patrons each and every week. They join the fold. So this week we are welcoming Oliver, Sile, James, Brian, Jesper, Matt, Julius, and Chris. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah, cannot say thank you enough. Those folks clearly know what's up and want to get in on the Discord at the start of a new format, and you should be as well. Speaking of thanks, show is also brought to you in part by Channel Fireball, channelfireball.com, and we are very thankful that they are sponsoring our show. And they announced their new card grading initiative with premiercardgrading.com. So if you are interested in maybe getting some special card of yours graded, you can head on over there, premiercardgrading.com, to get your Magic, Pokemon, Flesh and Blood, or Dragon Ball super cards graded right now. In addition to that, Bow is also out. I'm sure they have singles and sealed product aplenty over at the CFB Marketplace. If you shop over there, you can support potentially your LGS if they're on the Marketplace, and if not, someone else's LGS. And whenever you head over to the Marketplace, please make sure you use code LOL, all caps, to let them know that we sent you over there. Today's episode is also brought to you by BetterHelp. So we teased this a couple weeks ago. We said we were announcing an announcement, and here it is. We have partnered with Audioboom. Uh, they are a service that hosts, distributes, and helps monetize your podcast. So we want to explain this about what's going to be happening. We're going to have an inserted ad read a little bit later in the show. And I want to start off by saying that this is a huge opportunity for us in terms of the growth of the podcast, not only financially, but also via our listenership. Yeah, absolutely. And we understand that ads might be off-putting to some folks out there, but we're really excited by this opportunity and hope that the vast majority of the Lords of Limited community sees this as a huge milestone that it is. And it's possible because of you all, our community yeah. and the fact that our community has grown and is going to continue to grow. And we really, really, really appreciate you making this possible for us. And we want to ensure our listeners that we are going to be super selective about the kinds of products and services that we choose to endorse on the show. We've been given offers already that we've said no to, and BetterHelp is not one that we said no to. And we're excited to talk to you about that a little bit later in the episode. But for now, 
Let's talk about some top commons in Innistrad Crimson Vow. So just wanted to check in on where we're at from last week when we reevaluated them. And also, Ben, I know is mad at me that I'm a big data boy now, but also about what's going on over at 17lands.com. So let's check in with white first. I just checked this this morning. No changes in terms of the, the three cards that exist there, but Sigarda's Imprisonment and Fierce Retribution have swapped. So that's Traveling Minister at number one. Uh, Sigarda's Imprisonment at number two and Fierce Retribution at number three. How do you feel about that, Ben? I feel fine about that, mostly because Sigarda's Imprisonment exiles ultimately. And I think exiling is so huge in this format just because of the bombs. So many of the people that have bombs plan on recurring their bombs. And if you can get them exiled, it's really, really big game. Fierce Retribution, powerful when you hit it for two mana. But more of the time, I think to kill the things you really want to kill, you're having to spend that six mana, and that's a pretty big bump. And again, you have to spend five to exile on Sigarda's Imprisonment, but you get the blood token bump back. But neither of those hold a candle to the Traveling Minister. Yeah, and it doesn't really feel like exploit is as prevalent as we might have thought, like in terms of punishing an enchantment-based removal spell like this. And so I think that also improves Sigarda's Imprisonment in the format. So you're a believer in Traveling Minister, yes? Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I have been basically from, I would say, day one. I haven't been resistant to that one drop. Yeah, card is insanely good, and you still wheel it on Arena sometimes. Yeah, white seems to be, I, I will say that white has bumped down. Maybe this is spoiling a little bit. For for my color power rankings has shifted from last week. I do have white in fourth for myself right now. Not because I don't like white, but I find myself playing blue a lot more. I feel like this is a Grixissy format for me so far. And more so that I'm only really happy, like I'm happy in with white blue and white black. I've played white red twice and I'm not happy to play green white. But it's important to note that like Traveling Minister is it's not only good in a life gain deck. It's just good, period. It's good in every single white color pair. I agree. Moving on to the blue commons. Blue's pretty contextual past Lantern Bearer at number one. And the data also really supports that with a 1.3% drop off after Lantern Bearer. And again, that number seems small, but that's a big number when we're dealing with the sample sizes of data that we're dealing with. Yeah, uh, they they currently have Scattered Thoughts at number two, Chill of the Grave at number three, and Syncopate at number four. And I'm kind of on syncopate at number two for myself. But like I said, I think it's super contextual. And I am kind of surprised to not see repository scob or stitched assistant in the top three. My theory on that is that they're probably only really great in blue black, because I do think what you said last week about exploit where you don't want to be actively harming your own board to be exploiting is really important. And blue doesn't do that very well other than egg at uncommon. And so Mm -hmm. you really need to be pairing blue with black with those, you know, uh, doomed dissenters or the persistent skeletons to really make sure that you are not actively hurting your board when you're exploiting stitch assistant repository scob. Yeah, I think that's true. I basically want to be exploiting one drops or doomed dissenter, but I don't want to be reducing my board state otherwise. Uh, moving on to black, no changes for me. I still have bleed dry one, gluttonous guest two, and diagraph scavenger three. Um, data currently has the three four drops: bleed dry one, scavenger two, and vampire socialite three. And I wanted to talk about it was just until this morning. Pointed discussion was in the top three according to the data. That's the three mana. Draw two, lose two, make a blood token. Have you played with that card yet? I have not cast that card yet. No. Yeah, I was shocked to see it in the top three commons. And that made me sort of think, all right, maybe I'll start to include it. And I've been happy to play it sometimes. But I find that the three drop slot gets so glutted, especially in black, as we talked about, it's got guest, it's got bat, it's got desperate farmer. And so it it really it's tough to have room there. You can even play, you know, happily play a blood servitor if you're looking for ways to make blood. But I think it's a fine card. I was just shocked to see it in the top three. 
Yeah, I that also is shocking to me. Moving on to red in the number one slot. We've got Flame Blessed Bolt, baby. We called that last week and then the data bore it out this week. In the number two slot, there's a braid. That's the two mana deal three. And then in the number three slot, the first copy of Falconrath Celebrants. That's the five drop, uh, four and a red for the four fourth menace that makes two blood tokens when it ETBs. And then past that, you really have to be worried about your curve and making sure that you're, I think, taking cheaper cards after you grab the first Falconrath Celebrants. Yeah, we'll talk about Voltaren Epicure a little bit later in the show. That that card has been my uh, soapbox for the week, I think. And then Green has the biggest data update. Uh, so Wolf Strike is at number one. And now Flourishing Hunter, number two, the six mana 6-6 six, six, gains life for the highest toughness among other creatures you control. And number three, Hook and Mariner, that's the 4-4 four, four Wolf for four that flips to a 6-4, can't be blocked by creatures power two or less. So looking like a real shift from green aggro, as we may have been suggested, to green chungus, to green beef, just <laughs> for the technical raw, term. Raw stats there, yeah, for the technical term. What are your thoughts about this, Ben? Do you feel like we're that this is sort of starting to settle a little bit? It does seem like we saw some updates, but by and large, most of the stuff same stayed the same uh, according to the data from last week to this week. My thoughts on this are that I am disappointed that my podcast co-host has gone full big data on me. I, I am hurt and betrayed. But I mean, this is great. I think including the data in our show in all seriousness is good and we should be doing it. And I am glad that you are taking that role <laughs> rather than me. And I am going to continue to just see how the data fits into my life and into my chi. So here's where I'm at. And I messaged Carl, aka Two Duck Cubed, this past week. And I was just like, hey, I want to, th I, I thanked him because I felt like, you know, him being on our show and watching his little seminar on Twitch has, has empowered me a little bit. I think my takeaway from him being on the show was, hey, I'm leaving some equity on the table and I should be incorporating data into my, you know, magic card evaluation or whatever, how I approach the format in the early days. And I just have 17 lands up all the time. I check, you know, when I have a close pick, I'm curious about, hey, what what does the stats say about game in hand win rate, et cetera. And so I'm using it just as what he said, as a gut check. Like if I feel a certain way about a card, I want to check its evaluation. Like the other day I took by invitation only over uh, Angelic Quartermaster. And at the time I felt bad about it. And I think the data might say that Quartermaster is better. And I think if I had checked that, I would have felt better about taking the quartermaster over it because what ended up happening was i ended up in a white red aggro deck and by invitation only did not make my main deck um and i wished i had had the quartermaster and maybe it was a little results oriented thinking there but it's just it's helpful as a tool and i think also when for a color like green that i'm basically not drafting at all it is also helpful for me to see like what those shifts are and what do the green cards do in various green archetypes so i think green red is really the only one you want to draft i don't know we'll talk about green a little later but i've been i've enjoyed having data as a a tool in my arsenal and not a weapon as ben likes to say <laughs> yes for sure and i was just going to say that so looking at this my my actual feelings on what we talked about with the top commons is hookan mariner is news to me like that wasn't really on my radar as a big player in green so it's good to know that kind of things. And I think had I known that, you know, maybe in our draft that we did, you and I did a showdown video, I might have been able to navigate that showdown draft video a little bit better. Yeah, that's it's possible. I mean, I think just four, four is a tough body to deal with, like outside of black, you know, a braid doesn't quite get it. I don't know. It's that the, the removal is is good, but scarce, but then sometimes clunky. I don't know. It's hard. So yeah, four mana, four, four, sometimes you're like, eh, whatever. And it looks like maybe in this format, it's it's not too shabby. All right, that wraps up our top common updates. And now we're going to get to an ad break from BetterHelp. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. If there's something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals, look no further than BetterHelp, an online therapy service. 
You know, Ben, there was actually just a discussion last week in the Lords of Limited Discord about mental health as it relates to playing MTG. Playing Magic can be an isolating experience, especially in the past couple of years with the lack of the gathering. You know, our Discord is an incredible community, but even some Magic-related issues go beyond its scope. We both really believe in practicing self-care, and therapy is one of the best ways to improve your mental health. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you in under 48 hours with your own licensed professional therapist. Now, it's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. So say goodbye to waiting rooms. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change therapists if you need to. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and check out their testimonials. There are new ones posted every day. And what's great about the reviews is they're not just like for the website in general, but they're attributed to each therapist so you can get a real sense of the kinds of people you'll get to work with. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Lords, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over 2 million people who've taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy, and financial aid is available. Plus, Lords of Limited listeners can get 10% off their first month by visiting BetterHelp.com slash Lords. And now back to the show. All right. So big picture format updates. The first thing I want to talk about here, Ben, is blood. Blood is still insane. I don't know if people feel like it's not insane. It's definitely insane. Last night in our <laughs> in our showdown video, you were like, is blood a better limited mechanic than cycling? And I think it is because and I can't believe it took me until basically Thursday of this past week to really contextualize that a blood token on the battlefield gives all of your cards one colorless cycling. And I think when you realize that, it puts into perspective how powerful this mechanic is. It's super strong. That has been in the Lords of Limited Discord since pre-set release, my friend. Oh, I, I missed that. I'm not, I must have missed those channels. But yes, that is that is the way to contextualize blood. And once you understand that, and I like thought it was powerful before then but that felt like a really succinct way to say it and so yeah shout out to the lord's limited discord and i my apologies for not being in on that conversation yeah i read that and i that also blew my mind when i read it and i was like oh <laughs> yeah i get it <laughs> and you know this format has been compared to theros beyond death in terms of its uh bomb nature and i think in a bomb heavy format blood is great as well to dig you towards your best cards and it feels gives you very like thrill of possibility vibes from thb yeah except i like this format way better better than I've liked Theros Beyond Death for some reason. I do too. I, I don't know why. I, I mean, yeah, I, I'm i just having a lot of success. And so it's hard to separate that. It's hard to know if it's, well, I'm just liking it because I'm winning. But I, I found the draft to be fun. I found the gameplay to be fun. And that's largely off the back of how many decisions you have with blood tokens. I'm not even winning and I'm still enjoying it. I have <laughs> firmly been in Diamond 2, Diamond 3 Purgatory for the last week and it's still been fun. It's very challenging. I like the games. It's good gameplay and I feel great when I beat the rares. 
and I lose to some rares or whatever, but you just pick them up and move on to the next one. Yeah, for sure. And speaking of blood, there's some cards that care about blood, but don't necessarily make blood like Wedding Security and Blood Hypnotist. So Wedding Security is the three black black four four that lets you sack a blood when it attacks to put a plus one plus one counter on it and draw a card. And then the Hypnotist lets you um, whenever you sacrifice a blood token, it only triggers once each turn. Thank God. Um, <laughs> or target creature on the opposing side can't block. And it also can't block itself. So Blood Hypnotist basically says we're racing once it hits the battlefield. Yeah. And that's not felt great to me. And then Wedding Security, your blood already does so much. You don't really need to play a five drop to make your blood better. So I they're playable for sure. But I've not been prioritizing them hugely. Like they are not pulls into black and red respectively for me. Blood doesn't need a payoff. Blood is the payoff. Like having a blood token is the payoff. You don't need something that's like, oh, I care about blood, but I don't make blood. Yes, I completely agree. Blood is very, very, very powerful. Um, On the flip side of blood, green is, in my opinion, the worst color by a pretty wide margin. But I have also been privy to the conversation that very strong players like NCAA or Numathanami, who I believe are the one and two leaderboard trophy leaderboard on 17 lands leaders, respectively, they've been playing a lot of green and having success with it. Now, personally, I don't see it. I'm playing almost exclusively two color decks unless I open like a bomb worth splashing like Halana and Elena and get pushed off of one of those colors. And even then it has to be like early enough for me to draft Evolving Wilds or whatever. I, I don't know. What, what are, what's your feeling about green in the format right now? Yeah, I feel similarly to how I felt about it last week in that I'm hoping to not play green unless I have a very good rare or an uncommon like pack song pup pushes me into the color. But other than that, I, I am hoping to not get into green at common. And I have felt largely good when my opponents are playing green. That's how I feel too. I found three non-rares that I was happy to draft in green. Dormant Grove, the aura that puts a plus and plus one counter on something. And then if that thing has six toughness, it flips into a three, six vigilance that gets all your other creatures vigilance. That card has been really, really hard for me to deal with on the other side of the battlefield. Paxong Pup, as we alluded to, and Wolfkin Outcast. You talked about that. That's six mana, five, four. Costs two less if you have a wolf or werewolf and then flips into, I think it's a six, six or a six, five. That whenever a wolf or werewolf you control dies, you can draw a card. Those are, that, that's it. Those three. Like, I feel really strongly I don't want to be drafting green for just commons. Yeah, I have also been very impressed with Dormant Grove. I've played it once and my opponents have played it against me once and both times it was awesome. Yeah. Uh, as I talked about before, I am shifting white down to fourth in the color power rankings. I think blue, as we said, in the top commons is highly contextual, but has been a strong support color in many of my decks. I looked through all, a lot of my you know, deck color pairs, and it's a lot of it's a lot of blue, red, blue, black, black, red. Um, it's a Grixis format for me. I like white, but it's I think it's only really good paired with black or blue. Yeah, I still like white a bit. I am obsessed with Traveling Minister and Heron of Hope <laughs> at Common. So yeah. I still got white at number three, but I can definitely see it moving to blue in the number three slot, mostly because blue gives your decks such a strong control aspect to them. And I think that's really good playing against the bombs. Like once you start to accept Syncopate and the other counter spells as good tools, like if you've got card draw, removal, and counter spells plus some creatures like I think that is actually a recipe for success in this format you know Alex was talking on stream we were chatting about this a little bit but that this is like a boomer magic format except it's boomer magic on steroids right because every the power level on everything is just ratcheted way up but then I think you know if you've got that classic control recipe I think that's actually a way to be successful in this format whereas past limited formats would have been way more about synergy or whatever but I do just think back to basics like two for ones counter your bomb remove your stuff is a recipe for success 
Well, and also it so it plays a, a good support color and it does do the, you know, control thing well, but it also pushes down those, you know, defined archetype lanes. Like once you know your blue white disturb, it's gonna provide you good cards. If you know your blue red non-creature spells, it's gonna provide you good cards. If you know your blue black exploit. And not that those color pairs have to be dedicated to that, but sometimes they are, and blue does a really good job of saying, okay, well then here here are the cards that are gonna help that deck succeed. Yes, there are a lot of good cards that go late if you find the right blue archetype that's open. I think that is true. Yeah, I think also I have to bump red up to number one on the power rankings. Wow. Uh, So many of its commons occupy the top rated cards on 17 lands. It's the only color in my mind that theoretically plays well with green. It is important to note, we'll talk about the color ratings in just a little bit, but red green has bumped down to number two. But like in theory, all four red decks I'm happy to play. And I don't think I can say the same for any other color. Despite this, I don't think red is being drafted as the best color, right? It has a sneaky deep roster of commons like black does, and its uncommons like Alluring Suitor and Ballista Watcher are just busted. I just realized this week that Alluring Suitor doesn't have to be one of the two creatures that attacks to flip it, which is kind of nuts. Can I? I'm, I'm a sick brags here for a second. So I had like this nuts draft the other day where no one else is drafting red. I got four copies of Alluring Suitor, and so I went two drop. Alluring Suitor, Alluring Suitor on four, attack with two creatures. They both flip, float four red mana, cast Ballista Watcher's second main phase. And you submitted a CFB top five, I hope. <laughs> I was playing off stream like a sicko, but no, I did not <laughs> submit to, to uh, uh, MTG top five. And also, I think it's important to note Flame Blessed Bolt is not only the top red common by Game of Hand win rate, but top common overall. So shout out to us for making that swap live on the episode last week. Okay, I want to pick your brain here or push back against data because my everything in my brain says bleed dry is the best common by a very wide margin and it's not particularly close or maybe that it's close but close but clear like there's no world i'm picking flame blast bolt over bleed dry right now for me personally we're gonna look at a draft log a little later where i had that exact decision to make and i think it's interesting to talk about at the time i felt a pull you know i i did go i'm gonna take bleed dry then i checked the data and Flame Blessed Bolt was ahead, and that gave me pause, especially because if I hearkened back to watching Carl's little Twitch seminar, I was, where he said, you know, in this early days of the format, I'm just going to be a slave to the data. And I, I, I took that to heart in a sense of like, that's interesting, like just to say, like, I'm going to take the word of a 10,000 sample size aggregate, you know, percentage over my own feeling and and see how that plays out just to just to have a gut check or whatever. Um, my two points in favor of Flame Blessed Bolt is that it's one mana versus four mana. And I think if you think red is the best color, then that also gives it a budge. Like Bleed Dry is so, 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 so good. But we go back to what we talked about last week in terms of, you know, look at the top three commons, look at those four drops, the Diagraph Scavenger and the Socialite. Those are also good cards too. And I'm not saying that like they're better than Bleed Dry or maybe even close to Bleed Dry in terms of what they get to do in the format of like your opponent sticks that insane bomb and you get to go, my common answers that. Bolt can't do that, but it does provide something else unique in terms of its cheap interaction and it also exiles yes i agree with all that i think my experience in the context of the format has been more that i value the get out of jail free card against my opponent's bombs more than i do the cheap interaction and i've had i've played flame blast bolt a lot i've played red a lot so far and it ranges from great to doesn't really do the thing I need it to do against some decks. And Bleed Dry never has that problem. 
Yeah, I played a blue red deck the other day that had two bolts and two abrades, and then I faced black green butts, and everything had four toughness, and I was like, oh, cool, I can't beat this deck at all. But that deck isn't that good and doesn't come up that often. Right. And I think I would say, I guess I would maybe concede that Flame Blessed Bolt's ceiling is maybe slightly higher than Bleed Dries, but I think the floor is way lower than Bleed Dries, depending on your matchup. I agree. Like, I, you know, I'm not going to say, well, the data says, so you have to do it. That's not what I'm saying right, right, at right, all. Right. And I think taking Bleed Dry over Bolt is totally reasonable. But I think, like, I think you're, I, the only thing I would push back on is where you say it's not particularly close. Right, right, right. It so is close, me, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So close, but clear, I think for me, personally. And I think close, but contextual for me. Like, I think if it's pack one, pick one, Oh, that that I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where I'm at. I think it's probably just going to be dependent on the day and where where I'm at. Yeah, that's a that's a bleed drive for me. Unpack one, pick one. Um, I've I've played a lot of spells matter stuff since last week, and I am fully on board Kessig Flame Breather. This is the two mana one three in red deals the damage every time you cast a non creature spell. And I posted some decks with you know three to four copies of this on Twitter that have trophied, and then get a lot of questions of like. Why is this good? You only have like seven non-creatures. But it's also important to note, I think people get stuck on its its instants and sorceries, but it's not. So your, you know, your lantern bearers are coming back and triggering your Kessig Flame Breathers. Your ceremonial knife is triggering it. Don't be afraid to play wedding invitation as a cantripping way to trigger this. Blood Fountain will trigger this. Like there's a lot of cards in the set that look like they don't, but it, because it's non-creature, they do. Yeah, I am on board with Kessig Flame Breathers since you talked about it last week, and I can't get it to come together. I either get the Flame Breathers and not the other cards, or I get the other cards and not the Flame Breathers. Yeah, I've had that happen too. It is it is a little you know, we use this word a lot, but it is a little fussy in the draft in that respect because you sort of have to get the good cards early and wheel the flame breathers. And then sometimes people just randomly take them from you. It's weird. So here's a question for you. Are you running like one to two copies of flame breather in a red deck that just wants to put pressure on? Is it good there or is, do you need to be all in for it to be good? I think you want to be a little bit more all in, but just re remember that all in doesn't mean like it's not the classic like riddle form style deck where you have like 10 creatures. Your creature count can be high in this deck, but I think I prefer it in a bit of a grindier deck. Like, I think that's why I do like it in a red black home where you've get you know, your blood fountains and your knives are also triggering it and you can like get stuff back and then it just like sits there and closes out the game for you slowly. I think I like it a little better there than some sort of, you know, getting flame breathers and ancestral angers together. That's hard. That's hard to do, I think. Yeah, makes sense. All right, Ben, I have I have something to atone for from last week. <laughs> I, I am just so, so, so fully on board Blood Fountain over Courier Bat. Like, not even particularly close. Like, in my general pick order, unless I know I'm in black-white and have a ton of life gain, I'm just always taking Blood Fountain. I'm, I'm firmly in a camp that I want two Blood Fountains, I think, in all of my black decks. Blood Fountain might be the most demoralizing card to play against in the format. <laughs> Especially because it just comes down on turn one and just, like, goes... You're done. And, and like this, and let's talk about Vampire Epicure, single red mana for a 1-1, one, one, comes into play, deals a damage to your opponent, and makes a blood token. Turn one blood is so powerful. And I, I think there, there's a lot of people getting caught up in, especially with the Epicure of like, well, it's a one mana 1-1, one, one, it's not very good. You're just like, you're not quite taking into account how good turn one blood is. And you're also only thinking, I think, of blood in the context of, I'm looting away lands in the late game. That's what blood is for. No, no, no. It, sure, it can be. But, you know, one of the reasons that, you know, cycling is so good is that it just gives you 
two modes on all of your cards. And when you can just pitch, you know, hey, I, I'm not going to be able to cast this for a little while and I can recur it later or whatever. Or this slots into my curve and I, you know, I'm going to play a two drop on turn three and then cycle something away. Like turn one blood is very powerful. Well, and Vampire Epicure is not the worst when it comes down on turn one. Like if you know you're going to draw your one mana one yes. card, one one card in your opening hand, great. Like that's a lot better than, than it would be otherwise because part of the drawback is it's terrible when you draw it on turn 12. And then in your Vampire Epicure decks, you probably have other blood. So when you draw it on turn 12, you just rummage it away with blood. Yeah. <laughs> How many times are we going to say blood? Blood, blood, blood. It's so, so good. All right, Ben, I got to give you the floor to talk about your favorite thing to do at Common. It, it really is. So Traveling Minister plus Heron of Hope. Heron of Hope is the three and a white, two, three flyer that you pay one and a white to give it lifelink. And the second line of text, whenever you gain life, you gain that much life plus one instead is so busted at common. So it's basically build your own Baneslayer Angel. That's a bit of an exaggeration because it's a lot more clunky. But once it gets going, it is very hard to stop similar to a Baneslayer Angel. So that's six life you're gaining, right? Because the minister gains you two life. You pump the Heron of Hope to a three power creature and then that gains you four life. Yes. And heaven forbid you have multiple traveling ministers on the battlefield, which you should if you're playing white and white is open. I think it's really, really good. And it it competes with the rares, I think, in terms of power level. It's sort of a build your own awesome card. I didn't see that you added this next point, but I'm, I'm happy you did because I am similarly on board uh, uh, with you about. <laughs> but I think I think we can walk back slightly, slightly our B grade of boarded window from last week. Yeah, I'm lower on boarded window. I think it really only belongs in decks that really want to play to the late game. And in addition to that, have access to blood, which is a fairly narrow subset of decks. So I think I'm picking it more like C, C plus, and I'm not taking it over cards that are pushing me down a certain archetype. Like I think it is lower than all of the top commons, but I do still think it has a home in the format. And I do think it is uniquely powerful. And I think it is when you play it, it is much better than the data says. Yes, I agree. Uh, I, I had the choice between it and Lantern Bearer pack one, pick one the other day, and I took Lantern Bearer and I was like, okay, if, the, if that's where I'm at, then I need to bump this down. And I think I agree with everything you said. Wants to go on a control deck, wants to go in a deck with blood because, as we've talked about, contextual cards get better with blood because when they're good, they're great. You slam it. And when not, then you just pitch it to blood and draw something new. Um, but I have definitely won games that no other card would have won me with Bordered Window. So it is powerful. It just is a l- little bit more contextual than I think we were giving it credit for last week. I got to talk about our clunky little 2-5 Tapper and White Nebelgast Beguiler. This has overperformed for me in the past week. I, I got to say, just like removal is good. This stat line is not bad. 2-5 blocks a lot. And like tapping is kind of removal and you need removal in this format. I think it's not a card I'm prioritizing or anything, but it's also not a card that I've been embarrassed to play. I still have not seen that on the battlefield and I have played wow. a lot <laughs> so far. That's surprising to me. Well, I I will just say, like, don't feel ashamed to play this if you are are hard up for removal. All right. Good deal. Next up, if you don't get bleed dries, which is fairly common, I think, in black, I think people are hot on that card in black. You might need to pick Grizzly Spectacle pretty highly. That's the six mana destroy a creature or planeswalker and then you make two blood tokens. I think the first copy of Grizzly Spectacle, especially if you don't have bleed drives, but even sometimes if you do have the bleed drives, has been like anywhere from fine to good. Yeah, I think so. I, I'm I'm happy to play the first copy of Grizzly Spectacle. I have sometimes played two and my deck has been hard up. I don't prioritize them very highly. It's about like middle of pack two when I go, all right, I don't have any removal. 
it's time to start taking that first spectacle. But you really want to be aware of that as you know your escape route to have answers to big stuff in your deck. Yeah, makes sense. I think people really don't understand how good Brinecomber is. This is the blue-white signpost, one white blue for a 1-1. It makes a 1-1 flyer whenever it is targeted by an aura. You make a 1-1 flyer and has disturbed for white blue, comes back as an aura. When you cast it, you make a 1-1 flyer and has that same text of like whenever you then target the thing that it's cast on with an aura, it'll make a 1-1 flyer. It's like the key card for making blue-white busted, though I have trophied with blue-white without it. But it in a blue-white deck is so oppressive. It's just it, in a blue-white deck that is built well with auras or disturb and or disturb, I should say. Uh, it just it's a one one that is a threat. You have to deal with this. And then it says once you deal with this, it's coming back and you're going to have to deal with the thing I stick this on. And it's impossible to race because you have a billion chump blockers while you're killing your opponent in the air. Yeah, I mean, it. <laughs> I will say I, I beat a double Brinecomer deck with Vampire's Vengeance, and that was very important. And I think that is that deck's kind of kryptonite. But other than that, it's it's a tough, tough deck to beat. It's very, very grindy. We're going to disagree on this next point. You say still pretty out on Wretched Throng. I'm still pretty in on Wretched Throng. Yeah, it's it's whatever. Like, I still have played a couple of them. It's I got to say, maybe it's just my variance that I have drawn the second copy very often before being able to you know, have the first one die and dig the other one up. That feels very bad to me. And I just don't find that it, it matters that much. I don't really want to exploit it. I, I don't know. I, I've played it quite a bit since we talked about it last week. And I was like, all right, I want to give this another chance. And I, I'm, I'm still on like, you know, D, D plus for this card. It's hard to play against though, too, because you don't know how many copies of it your opponent has. Like, do you really want to trade with this? And then they draw another one. And then like, do you trade with the next one and they draw a third one? I don't know. It's been a problem. Just play more two mana one threes and three mana one fours. You'll be fine. That's all all I can say. Like those are good stat lines in this format. And maybe that's one of the reasons that I don't care about Wretched Throng is like that's what I'm playing and that card doesn't matter against those. So when you're playing those stat lines, you're playing, you know, your your gluttonous guests or what have you. Mm -hmm. Do you not just run into the situation then when you lose to your opponent's bombs or do you just always have your own bombs? Because I have found it difficult to get great rares so far in the drafts. Yeah, I've, I've trophied quite a bit with non-rare decks or, you know, non-rare decks slash like non-bomb decks, but maybe I have a couple of Bs or B pluses. Um, but I just have in those decks, I have removal. And then what I'm doing is grinding my opponent to oblivion with double blood fountain. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. That, that, that's been a, a very good recipe of success for me. Next up, one of my favorite cards outside of Traveling Minister, Ceremonial Knife. This is the one man equipment that has an equip cost of two, gives the equipped creature plus one plus oh, and whenever equipped creature deals combat damage, doesn't have to deal damage to the opponent. Any combat damage, you make a blood token. This is insanely powerful in decks that don't get blood. And I feel like it is mandatory to have a copy in a deck that doesn't have easy access to blood. I'll let you in on a little secret too, Ben. You know, decks that have blood also like more blood. I think this is just good in any deck. I'm happy to play this in any deck. And I think I'd be hard pressed to find a deck that doesn't want a copy of it. I think it's a solid C plus and I am panicked about getting the first copy if I'm not black or red. I think Gluttonous Guest may be bumped up, but for a while my top two drafted commons were Ceremonial Knife and Blood Servitor. I'm just like, Colorless ways to make blood. Let's go. Yeah. Next up is a card we haven't talked about yet, but it has been powerful in my mind. I got a chance to play with this a lot at the beginning of the format, but I think we should talk about it. It's Reckless Impulse. This is one in a red for a sorcery. You exile the top two cards of your library, and you can play those cards until the end of your next turn. 
card is super powerful. It's one of the best things for blue red, like your little Kessig Flame Breather, Reckless Impulse, Ancestral Anger, like Wombo combo deck. It's great there, but it's also just very good in any red deck with a low curve, I think. I, I think so. I just almost never have room for it. And, and really? I will say in blue red specifically, it is a little awkward if you're running counter spells. Like I don't, I, I, there's a, there's some tension there, right? Cause you don't want to exile that. Um, your curve really does have to be pretty low slash. I think you don't want to be trying to assemble any a plus B kind of thing for fear of exiling that. Like I know that I know what I'm saying here has a sort of uh, it's ringing of you can mill your bombs for self mill type deal, but I have found it a little awkward and, and sometimes don't have room for it. So I agree that it's powerful, but I don't think it goes in every red deck. Yeah, that's not been my experience with a card so far, so I'll have to keep playing it and see. But I have found it difficult to cut a copy from a red deck with a low curve. Yeah, I guess I just feel like blood does. I mean, blood isn't card advantage, it's card selection. But at a certain point, it is. And so many red cards make blood, right? I mean, if you're getting the if you have a couple copies of Celebrants, if you have two to three copies of Epicure, it's just like, how much of this stuff do I really need, you know? Yeah, that checks out with me for sure. Next up, Screaming Swarm has been a problem for me. This is a five and a blue four, four flyer. And then you can pay two and a blue to put it back in your library second from the top. That part a little less relevant. And then whenever you attack, you can either mill your opponent or yourself equal to the number of creatures that are attacking. This has been borderline like bomb rare close out the game status like must answer, I think. So I'm bumping it up slightly in my pick order. I think this maybe pulls me into blue a little bit. Yeah, I always defer to taking cheaper cards over this. Like I see it in a pack and I go, this is powerful. I would rather take this one drop or two drop. Um, but maybe I should also let it pull me into blue a little bit more because I've had a similar experience. It's also quite unique in terms of like, it's not like it's competing at six mana for something else that you feel like is similarly powered. Like this is a really good top end card for a blue deck. Yep. I am, speaking of blue cards, finally on the Ari Lax train. I saw him tweet about this, that Cobbled Lancer is awkward. This is the single blue 3-3. Three, three. You have to exile a creature guard from your yard to cast it. And then when it's in your yard, you can pay three and a blue to exile it from your yard and draw a card. You know, like in blue-white, there's Disturb, so you don't have a lot of stuff you want to exile. In blue-black, there's a lot of Recursion, so there's maybe not a lot of stuff you want to exile. Blue-red sometimes doesn't have a lot of creatures, so it's awkward to cast this. Like, And I don't know anything about blue-green because I hope to never play that color pair. Um, it seems like it falls into a good card that's not good in the format category. Not to say that I'm not playing it still sometimes, but I've definitely found it to be awkward. Yeah, it's like a C+. Doesn't pull you into blue, I don't think. Yeah. Next up, talk to me about Selhoff and Tumor, because you are hot on this card. I have not cast it yet, and I've not seen it on the battlefield much. Wow. What games are you playing, man? You don't, you're not seeing these cards. This, is, this card's great. <laughs> so Selhoff and Tumor is one in a blue for a 1-3 zombie. You can tap it to discard a creature card to draw a card. So I, I was talking about this and trying to explain it, I think, in, I think it was in our hero tier chat of the Discord. Uh, it doesn't do any one thing amazingly, right? It's it's not a, an amazing card by any stretch, but it does a lot of little stuff really well. So it plays well with Persistent Specimen and Disturb, right? Those are things you're happy to discard and then you're effectively drawing a card, right? Because you can cast the Persistent Specimen from your graveyard or get the second half of a Disturb card. It triggers your Ragged Recluse, which cares about you having discarded a card for a turn. It is a zombie and some cards care about that. It has a high toughness and sometimes you have a Catapult and it helps flip that. It digs towards your bombs in a bomb-heavy format, and I think a, just a two-mana 1-3 is kind of good stats in the format. Okay, so let me preface my comments with I trust you, and I'm going to like try to play this card and 
you know, incorporated in my stuff. But here's what I don't see. Like all of those things that make sense, like check in my brain. I think at the end of the draft, you told me I don't have a Selhoffen tumor and I'm not sad about it. Should I be sad about it? There are definitely drafts that I have had where I go into pack three and I'm like, boy, howdy, if I don't get a Selhoffen tumor, this deck is worse. Yeah, I could see that. But it's like ultimate grade, like C or like C plus when you want it, but sometimes you don't care about it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But like for something that looks like a junky common, that's all I'm saying is I think people are sleeping. People look at it and go, that's bad. And I'm just saying like when a card does that many things, that list of things, and I think it's probably secretly just blue, black or blue, white, right? Like a gold card there. But I think those decks actively want at least one copy of it. Yeah, that makes sense to me. All right. Color pair data update here. Rakdos, I think these actually these numbers are probably a little outdated because I did this a couple days ago, but Rakdos is firmly in number one at 57.9%, also has the most games played. Gruul has bumped down to second at 56.8 and has dropped quite a bit from week one. I don't know if it will drop lower than that, but we'll see. And then is it Boros and Azorius clustered in third place? So third through fifth at around 55.5%. Then Demir and Orzov behind that, a full percent lower at 54.5. And then black green, green white, and blue green still bringing up the rear at 53.7, 52.8, and 52.4 respectively. And I think sort of selling still that green is probably the worst color. Yeah. Uh, but like we said before, like that's just, that's my feeling, my experience. The data is bearing that out. But that is not the whole picture as we're talking about good players are having good success with green. And so, you know, maybe we're sleeping on it. We're, we're missing out on stuff. We'll try and bring that info uh, in future weeks. Well, and I just haven't gotten to play it much because I haven't gotten the good rares early. But maybe if it's open, you're supposed to be willing to move into it if everybody else has that same opinion. And then you'll get past the good rares. Well, it, that's the thing is like it hasn't felt green hasn't felt so underdrafted to me that I'm like, okay, I got to start experimenting with this because it's open every draft. And so as long as that's the case, I just see no incentive to play the color. Yes, that is currently my feeling as well. Um, I did have some chats on stream this week about what makes blue green tick and had a number of people share some trophy decks with me. And it does seem just like keyword large is a big part of it. Like obviously flourishing hunter and the hook hand mariner doing work there and also just taking the lantern bearer or aside and putting it on one of those large creatures seems to be a way to win a game because i was mostly looking at like look i'm not going to pay attention to the rares because obviously those do work but what are the things that common that are making this deck tick um and that seemed to be a good little one-two punch yeah i saw that conversation in the discord as well and the lantern bearer plus large green monsters does check out yeah all right well we've talked enough in I don't know in theory about a lot of cards, a lot of our experiences. Let's try and put it into practice into a draft log. So are you ready to take a seat at the round table? I absolutely am. All right, pack one, pick one. You see the following cards as options. Lantern Bearer is in the pack, as well as a Falcon Wrath Celebrants. And I would say those are the two commons in consideration. There's also like a Courier Bat and a Blood Crazed Socialite, but not interested in those. The uncommons are pretty stacked. For the uh, you know non-creature spells matter, you've got Whispering Wizard, three and a blue for a 3-2. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, make a 1-1 one, one white spirit creature token with flying. This ability triggers only once each turn. And I think in tandem with Whispering Wizard, similar to Keswick Flame Breather, this triggers on the backside of all your Disturb stuff as well. So like uh -huh. this was categorized as not a blue-white card for me until I realized that. And I think Whispering Wizard is more flexible than I would have initially thought. Totally agree with that. Storm Chaser Drake is also great in blue, white, and blue, red. One on a blue for a 2-1 flyer. Whenever it becomes the target of a spell, you control draw a card. 
And there's Twin Blade Geist as well. One and a white for a 1-1 one, one double strike with Disturb. Two and a white comes back as an aura that grants double strike. Our, our rare is going to blow all these cards out of the water, Ben, but I'm curious what you would take among these if our rare was a dud. I think I would be on Twin Blade Geist and shipping all the blue. Yeah, I I, I think that might be correct. You like, and Geist is, Geist is better than Celebrants, that's true. And of the three blue cards, I think Storm Chaser Drake is the best for my money. I agree. I think it's between Geist and Storm Chaser Drake, and I'd rather start white than start blue because Storm Chaser Drake is a little more narrow than Geist is to me. And Geist plays super well with Traveling Minister, which I'm obsessed with. Yeah, I think even with my moving blue up ahead of white and my color power rankings, I think I do like these are three strong blue cards that people are likely to take next. And even if I think Twin Blade Geist is slightly worse than some of these, not by much that I don't hate that sort of color consideration. And this is a rare spot, I think, where thinking about what you're passing is important. You know, we usually say you don't want to worry about what you're passing because you have no idea what the person you're left opened and what cards are going to value. But I think this is that kind of spot where you can let that be a slight tiebreaker for you. Yeah. And our rare, Dollhouse of Horrors. Five mana artifact, one tap. Exile a creature card from your graveyard. Create a token that's a copy of the exiled card, except it's a zero zero construct artifact in addition to its other types. And it has. This creature gets plus one, plus one for each construct you control. It gains haste until end of turn. Activate only as a sorcery. This card I slept on in our set review. And then when I had the chance to draft it and folks in chat were like, this is God Pharaoh's gift. Then I was like, oh. Yes, it is. And that's busted. So this card is busted. Yeah, card is bonkers. It is especially good, I think, with exploit because you're so happy to just like, you know, bring back your diver scob, sack it to itself, get the effect, like getting that effect that it gets for sacrificing a thing is so good. And you're also like sacrificing things. And so things are getting in your graveyard, but it's just good, period. Yes, it does not need help to be a no, card. I'm just saying I think that's its best home is all I'm saying. For sure. Uh, moving moving on to pack one, pick two. Uh, commons in consideration. We've got Sigarda's Imprisonment. That's the white aura enchantment removal. Voldaren Epicure, single red for the one one makes a blood token when it ETBs. But there's Falcon Wrath Celebrants as well. The five mana, four, four menace makes two blood tokens. There's a Desperate Farmer, two and a black, two, two lifelink. Whenever another creature you control dies, you transform Desperate Farmer into a four, three lifelink ceremonial knife dare we pick it second uh and then in the uncommon slot i think the only card worth talking about is circle of confinement one and a white for the enchantment when he etbs exile target creature and opponent controls with mana value three or less until circle of confinement leaves the battlefield and it has whenever an opponent casts a vampire spell with the same name as a card exiled with circle of confinement you gain two life the other day my opponent cast this on my blood tithe harvester and I had a second one in my deck, Ben. Wow. There was a possibility for this text to be relevant in Limited. Feels Can bad, you believe man. it? I know, for sure. Yeah, I think Circle is far and away the best card here in a vacuum. It's a removal spell. It's a good removal spell. It exiles. It's very difficult to blow up the Circle once it hits the battlefield. So I think you are happy with a primo two-mana removal spell here. Yeah, so far we are lockstep and, and not much uh, decision-making to be had. Here we do. Fairly weak pack three. Cards that maybe jump out to me, I don't know, Rattide Gargantua, three black, black, five, four with exploit. When it exploits a creature, each opponent sacrifices a creature. Fearful Villager, which has actually played out better than Shady Traveler, two in red for the two, three menace, day bound side, and then night bound side is a four, three menace. There's a ceremonial knife here. 
I got to give you a chance to to maybe talk about your favorite card, Ben. Magma Pummeler, X red yeah. red for a zero zero. ETBs with X plus one plus one counters on it. If damage would be dealt to it and it has plus one plus one counters on it, you prevent that damage, remove that many counters, and when one or more counters are removed, Magma Pummeler deals that much damage to any target. What do you think about this card these days? I'm embarrassed that I liked this card. It's it's not good. I mean, like there's times it's a problem, like when your opponent casts it, but it is a solid C. Like it is playable <laughs> and nothing more. Yeah, it's uh, we, we should have tipped ourselves off with our segment garbage or garbage that this card was just garbage <laughs> at the time. Uh, but this is a weak pack. huh? Anything else you want to talk about? I mean, there's massive might. The plus two plus two trick. Like there, there's just nothing to talk about here. No, there are not a lot of good cards, and I love your pick here, which is Ceremonial Knife, and that is my pick as well. And I think people might be sleeping on Ceremonial Knife. Like, I've seen some pushback on this card not being great. This is Gold Vein pick levels of good to me. Yes. Yeah, it, it really, really is, and I think that that comparison is apt. Now, I'm not hoping to take it here, right? I'm not hoping to take it pack one, pick three, but at the end of the draft, I want access to a copy of this. And so... This pack is pretty junky. This delays my decision. There's nothing else that I really want to take. So I think if you don't take this here, you're making a mistake. Yeah, love it. All right, here we go, Ben. Pack one, pick four. We've got Flame Blessed Bolt, single red deal two damage to target creature or planeswalker. If that creature or planeswalker would die this turn, exile it instead. And in the other corner, we've got Bleed Dry. Two black, black instant target creature gets minus 13, minus 13 until end of turn. If that creature would die this turn, exile it instead. And there's nothing else to consider between those two. Yeah, I mean, I think we've kind of already had this conversation, but I am pretty firmly on Bleed Dry here, especially without a creature in our pile yet, because I think one of the best ways to leverage Flame Blast Bolt is if you're aggressive. And we are, I mean, draft still young, certainly could end up there, but... I would rather have the catch all removal spell to here. Like we're open enough that this feels pack one, pick one to me. I agree with that, right? Two colorless cards and a white card. Who cares? Uh, I, I, I totally agree. I, I hemmed and hawed. I looked at the data. I had bleed dry selected. And then with two seconds left, I switched. Wow. <laughs> to bolt. Uh, just because I think partially because I was, I was curious. I mean, I was just curious about what if I make this pick? That's what the data says. If I take the page out of Carl's book, like what if I just, do what the data says and then see how that makes me feel. So that was my, it was sort of like for science pick. Like I know taking bleed dry will make me happy. Will taking flame blessed bolt over bleed dry make me happy? Let's find out. Pack one, pick five. Uh, commons in consideration, traveling minister. Oh, you got the wombo combo here. Traveling minister and heron of hope in the pack. Um, to follow up our red card, nothing. There's a fearful villager. Uh, there's a diagraph scavenger. Makes me sad about passing the bleed dry. That's a three and a black two three death touch. When it ETBs, exile up to one target card from a graveyard. If it was a creature card, your opponent loses two life and you gain two life. And Valorous Stance. One and a white instant. Choose one. Target creature gains indestructible until end of turn or destroy target creature with toughness four or greater. Yeah, this is a powerful pack. And I think even if you took bleed dry last pack, you're still not taking Diagraph Scavenger here, in my opinion, because I think Traveling Minister is too, too, too good. White for the one one and you gain a life. The card's just nuts. I, think. I don't I, I don't agree. But really? No, I don't. Yeah, I, I think Scavenger is better than Minister. Pack one, pick one. Whoa. And maybe maybe this is just maybe I'm just I, I I'm just a robot now. I'm just 17 lands spewing content at you. But like <laughs> I would ra- I would rather be black than white. And Scavenger is really good. Is Scavenger's win rate higher than Ministers? It is, yeah. Yeah. I am I am not on board with that. And maybe I'm wrong. Like I'm I'm perfectly willing to be wrong, but if that's what's right, I don't want to be right. <laughs> Traveling minister all day. <laughs> 
Well, but black is black is like much better than white. Black and red are miles ahead of the other colors. I think you you get to play blood. I agree, but how often have you had three traveling ministers and a hero of hope <laughs> on the battlefield? I think I think you're a little like you've gotten high off your own supply a little bit here with your minister plus hope uh, decks. I think that is true, but I also think traveling <laughs> minister is great. And like two it's four great drops. And it's a one drop. It's great and it's a one drop. I agree. Yeah, right. Two four drops is a little awkward. I think there's a world a lot of times in drafts where black seems open and then is just like gone because it's so deep, right? Like there might be two or three people drafting right. it to your right, but you just can't quite tell because you keep getting like the fifth and sixth best black commons, which are still really good, you know? Yeah. Which is like, okay, you know, if you start with a dread feast team and then you're like, sure, I'll scrap together commons five through eight or whatever and be fine but in a situation like this where our best card is a colorless card in dollhouse like we can really afford to you know take what we think are the best cards or we can make concessions in that way well and in all seriousness like am i biased in this pick yes but if i'm being objective about it if i'm intellectually looking at this pack also diagraph scavenger still being here is not really a signal to me that black is open but both Minister and Valorous Stance plus the Heron of Hope still being here. Yeah. Because I think Heron of Hope is the next best card after those white removal spells. That, to me, does say white is open, which makes me also incentivized to take the Minister, even if I took Bleed Dry at last pack. I can buy that for sure. I, I, I feel pretty strongly that Scavenger is a better pack one pick. If this is our pack one pick one, I would take Scavenger. But I agree with that assessment of like, we're seeing Stance, Heron of Hope, and Traveling Minister pick five. This is about when you can start to read signals. Circle of Confinement is in our pile. We're incentivized to be white. But I, I still think if I had swapped, if I had taken Bleed Dry, I'd be happy to take Scavenger here. But having passed Bleed Dry, I'm not taking it. And I do think Traveling Minister is the best of these three white cards. That's so funny. That's so much good discussion on that one pick. And I was thinking, huh, we could probably wrap this draft up. We don't really need to do pick five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, super interesting discussion there. Uh, we could probably wrap up the draft there. It was a pretty wild log. If folks want to look at it, it'll be available where you download the show. I basically bobbed and weaved about what my second color was going to be for a while. Maybe I thought I was going to be red green. Maybe I thought it was going to be red blue. And then I got wedding announcement in pack three. This is uh, the two and a white enchantment at the beginning of your end step. Put an invitation counter on it. If you attacked with two or more creatures this turn, draw a card. Otherwise, you make a 1-1 white human creature token. Then if it has three or more invitation counters on it, you flip it into uh, an enchantment that says creatures you control get plus one plus one. This card is nuts. And so I was like, all right, I guess we're red white. And I it's a pretty like bad looking deck, honestly. Like I've got dollhouse and I've got wedding announcement. And then I have a bunch of ways to make blood and dig towards those cards. And I got the trophy with it. Nice. All right, moving on to my log. Ethan, please take a seat at the round table, my friend. I will. Thank you. All right. At common, in consideration, we've got a braid, one in red for the instant, deal three to target creature or destroy an artifact. There's also fierce retribution, one in a white for the instant, destroy target attacking creature, or you can cleave for six mana to destroy target creature. And then uncommons, the only one that's really in consideration for me is fleeting spirit. It's one in a white for the three one. You can pay white, exile three cards from your graveyard to give it first strike until end of turn, or discard a card to blink it and return to the battlefield at the beginning of the next end step. And then rare blows all that away. Hullbreaker horror five blue blue seven eight flash can't be countered. Whenever you cast a spell, choose up to one return target spell. You don't control to its owner's hand or return target non land permanent to its owner's hand. Ben, because I knew this pick was going to be very easy to make. I, I went and looked up the stats and I must apologize to you. Traveling minister has a higher win rate 
than Diagraph Scavenger. Yes. <laughs> Who needs 17 lands? Get out of here, Data. Yeah, you got your data clock internalized there. You don't need the stats. Um, but you're just taking Holebreaker Horror here, right? 100% taking Holebreaker Horror, yeah. Yeah. All right, moving on to pack one, pick two. See the following cards as options. There's no real commons in consideration. I think the one that matches up the best is Siphon Essence, two and a blue for an instant, counter target creature, a planeswalker spell, make a blood token. There's also a Diagraph Scavenger and a Desperate Farmer, but we have way better black cards at uncommon, so those aren't really in consideration. Mm-hmm. So we've also got Parasitic Grasp, one and a black for the instant, deals three damage to target human creature, you gain three life, or you can pay one black black to deal three damage to any creature and gain three life. And then there's also Felstinger, two and a black for the three, two death touch exploit. And whenever it exploits a creature target player draws two cards and loses two life. These two cards are nuts. They like, are nuts. I, I honestly don't know what's right between the two of them. I like taking Felstinger myself. That card has felt super oppressive and it's early enough that you can really make sure you have the nutso curves with either specimen or doom dissenter with it. And also just the floor of a three mana, three, two death touch is great. Right. So I think pack one, pick one, I would be on Parasitic Grasp. How do you feel about that? I feel good about that. And then I think because Hullbreaker Horror incentivizes us so strongly to be blue that we're already headed towards blue black exploit, which is Felstinger's best home. So if you know you're going to end up blue black, I think Felstinger is a better card and we're incentivized to end up that way. So that's why I took Felstinger over the Grasp. Yeah, makes sense to me. All right. So we nab Felstinger there. Moving on to pack one, pick three. Fairly straight ahead pack here, I think. Um, best blue card in the pack is Lantern Bearer. Blue for the 1-1 one, one with flying and disturbed for two and a blue. There's also a syncopate hanging out. In black cards, there's Innocent Traveler. Two black black for a 1-3. Being a grab keep, any opponent may sack a creature. If no one does, you transform this into a 3-3 three, three flyer that gets plus two plus O oh, as long as the opponent controls a human. And then white cards, there's a Fierce Retribution for some removal and a ceremonial knife yeah i mean i think i'm in for taking lantern bearer here you want to be blue and it also plays well with the fell stinger if you end up in blue black yeah so i like the lantern bearer here agreed so we're three for three moving on <laughs> to pack one pick four pretty junky pack uh best green card is massive might green for the instant target creature gets plus two plus two against trample until end of turn Best red card, probably falcon wrath celebrants four and a red for the four four menace when etbs you make two blood tokens there's a literal no blue cards in the pack, which means that somebody to our right has taken a blue common, right? It is true that there is a common of every color in every pack. Yeah. So we know rare is missing. We know two commons are missing. And we know the rare was a flip card, but that's not really easy to identify what it was. Right. And it is still true in this format when you're reading signals that there is an uncommon or higher rarity flip card and a common flip card in every pack, correct? Right. Correct. Yeah. So this pack has Fearful Villager in that spot. Yeah. And then so no blue cards in the pack. There's Courier Bat as the best black card in the pack. Two and a black for a 2-2 flyer when it ETBs. Uh, if you gain life this turn, you can rebuy a creature from your graveyard to your hand. And then Allenbrock Escort is the only white card in the pack. White for a 1-1 Vigilance. You can sack it. Target creature you control with a plus one plus one counter on it. Gains lifelink and indestructible until end of turn. Yeah, this pack is really weak. And I'm I'm down enough on Courier Bat. Like I do think uh, outside of black-white specifically, it's pretty whatever like you can get inherent black life gain synergies to make it worthwhile but I, i'm not interested in taking it this early over a card of the caliber of falcon wrath celebrant so i think i would take that here yeah i'm into that i, I didn't like any of my options but i like your rationale in that i, I similarly am on courier bat like you can get there in non-black white decks but it really shines in black white so i kind of like falcon wrath celebrants here that's not what i did i took courier bat but in hindsight i'm in on the on the falcon wrath celebrants 
Nice. Moving on to pack one, pick five. You see the following cards as options. There's your boy, Selhoff and Tumor. One in a blue for the one three. Tap, discard a creature card, draw a card. There's Griff Rider as the best white card in the pack. Two and a white for two one flying with training. Desperate Farmer, two and a black, two two lifelink. Whenever another creature you control dies, transform it into a four three lifelink. Cruel Witness. Two blue blue, three three flyer. When you cast a non-creature spell, look at the top card of your library. You may put that card into your graveyard. And then a blood servitor, three mana, two two. <laughs> when ETBs make a blood token. Yeah, I mean the the rare land Voldaren estate that makes blood is also, I think, worth mentioning here with how whatever weak this pack is. But I I mean, this is a spot where taking Selhoff and Tumor is pretty darn good, I think. Talk to me about that. Okay, so you already have two of the things that I mentioned that are good with this card, right? You have a bomb to dig towards with Hullbreaker Horror, and you have a Lantern Bearer, which is good to discard. And if you end up in blue-black and you have two black cards already, you're likely to get Persistent Specimen or have the discard synergies that we talked about. It's a zombie. If you're in blue-black, you might end up with stuff that cares about zombies. I think this is where you want to take it. Like, It's not as good of a card as Cruel Witness to stay on blue, but it's a two-drop, and two-drops are better than four-drops. So is there is there no world where you feel like this is too early to take a Selhoff and Tumor? I feel like I see these wheeling. Like I feel like if I want to get one, I will be able to get one later than this or potentially even wheel this one. I've had enough drafts that I have wanted an Entumor and not seen them, like that they don't wheel here and then just like none are opened or I don't get the chance to take them. That like you, like, you want to be blue. You want to play this horror, right? I'm not willing to give up on this yet. So I, I would at least take a blue card out of this pack. And I like Cruel Witness, but four drops are so easy to get. And I've already, like I said, I think you've got two of the synergy pieces so far for the Entumor. It's early enough in the draft you can get more. I'm going to take it now. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And I agree on Entumor over Witness if you're taking a blue card. I elected for the Desperate Farmer here. Um, I already had the Courier Bat and the Felstinger. This gave me a piece of lifelink to go with the Courier Bat. And I think if you take Celebrant's last pack, taking Entumor here makes way more sense over the Farmer because it gets you your third blue card and then you're trying to feel out what you want to pair with blue. I, I guess my feeling is like, why are... It feels like you're giving up on blue a little bit with this pick. You're giving up on your horror a little bit or you're deciding you're blue-black. I, I don't know. You're taking... This is what, like, the again, this is like the fifth best black common. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping to be blue-black, certainly, with the Felstinger. I think that is in my head and I think I just am not as in high... And I think I'm also just not as high on Selhoff and Tumor as you are. Like, to where, like, both Selhoff and Tumor and Cruel Witness, like, are in D territory in my brain. Like, they're not even really registering as signals or blue cards that i would want to put in my deck so i probably just need to bump selhoff and tumor up yeah i think so and cruel witness the cruel witness in the d territory that seems low for that card is it i don't know no i i, I think the card is totally fine yeah it's probably a c d d is yeah. a little harsh d is a little harsh yeah <laughs> excuse me <laughs> All right, so I took Desperate Farmer there. It sounds like maybe I should have been on Selhoff and Tumor. And then pack one, pick six. See the following cards as options. Uh, there's an Undying Malice, the black instant combat trick. Gives target creature when this dies. Return to the battlefield tapped under its owner's control with a plus one plus one counter. I think there's that card is pure junk, and I see people playing this all the time. Whoa, I feel <laughs> we are not on the same page right now. <laughs> I love Undying Malice. Black has so much recursion that you don't need to play this combat trick. But it's so efficient. I think that's where best of one versus best of three comes in because it's so efficient in best of one, like on curve. And you don't need to be efficient in best of three? Well, not that you don't need to be efficient, but everyone is curving out every game in best of one. And that does not happen in best of three, right? I guess, yeah. 
I mean, I, I, I think that's that's one of the things we borne out to be true about best of one, right? Is yeah. that cheap interactive cards go up in value in best of one. And I think that's that fair. is the case for Undying Malice. All right, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. No great blue cards in the pack. Best one is Fear of Death. And only one is Fear of Death. One in a blue for the aura enchant creature. When it ETBs, you mill two cards. And then enchanted creature gets minus X minus O, where X is the number of cards in your graveyard. And then Blood Fountain. Yeah. I think clear this, winner on black. Yeah. Slamming and jamming. And then in the uncommon slot, the best card in the pack, I think, is Markov Retribution, but we are way far away from red. Although if you took the Falconross Celebrants, it gets no, kind it's... of interesting. That's two in a red for the sorcery. Choose one or both. Creatures you control get plus one plus oh until end of turn, and target vampire you control deals damage equal to its power to another target creature. I think it's because I'm just playing a bunch of gluttonous guests, but I have not. <laughs> I've ended drafts with Markov Retribution and looked at my vampires and been like, none of these have power. <laughs> so or like i just have celebrants so i would still be on blood fountain over retribution myself yeah i think blood fountain's great you're happy to pick up a copy here so yeah. draft wound out took a, an arch school of thraben next and then a persistent skeleton blue was really cut in pack one and i think these are some of the hardest drafts where you open a bomb of a color but that color is not open and have to decide whether to stick with your bomb or you know pivot off into a different color pair and i think they're tough I think we might talk about that. Maybe next week might be a good time to talk about that. You had floated that as a an idea for a full episode, and I do think there's enough meat on that bone or or blood in that body to uh, <laughs> to be able to make that that episode work. Because I think it's interesting to talk about what cards are worth doing that for, what like concessions you might be willing to make, et cetera, and like when you really should be jumping ship. Right. And the, there's a sliding scale, right? Depending on the power level of the card. So just taking a look at all those different types of drafts so that you kind of have solid examples of, okay, I am in this type of draft where I probably should be trying to get really deep into one color, or I'm in this type of draft where I definitely got locked in early to this color pair and you know, I'm going to write it come hell or high water, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Wow. It's, it's interesting. We're so lockstep. I feel like when we're talking about individual cards and big picture stuff and then when we get to those draft logs baby we're all over the place <laughs> yeah and i wonder how much of that is best of one versus best of three you've also played probably double the amount of drafts i've done would be my yeah, guess i've done about I'm, I'm close to 50 i think yeah and i would guess i am around 25 if i had to guess yeah so that checks out one last thing that i want to talk about before we go here is board presence you had last week stated that this was a board presence people format and i kind of hadn't really internalized that until you said it last week I just want to throw out there that I think that is huge. If you are planning on beating bombs, you really want ways to leverage your removal and your removal gets more impactful the more board presence you have because you get a swing for more damage after you cast your removal. And I also think board presence people in the sense that your bombs are way more impactful when they come after a curve of two drop, three drop, four drop, play my bomb or whatever because your opponent's already under pressure. So that really stuck with me from last week and I am trying to view this format more and more of the sparky in that way and that i really want to get on board and have a a fierce board presence I, I plopped in the show notes here we didn't really talk about it like what i feel like i might be doing differently than other people to be winning so much and i just i'll just run through it really quickly i'm avoiding green unless absolutely necessary i'm not drafting green for commons or most uncommons we, as we talked about i'm obviously valuing blood very highly Sounds simple, but I'm I'm not playing bad cards like a, a, a pier piercing light or whatever alchemist's retrieval, the bounce spell. Like I feel like people are just like put it like ah oh, a bounce spell will be good, and usually it's just not. And I am taking cheap cards 
really highly. Like I'm taking one drops and two drops as we saw. And I'm like not mad about taking a Selhoff and Tumor, but like just taking ones and two drops because there are a lot of good one drops in the set. Highly is just going to help you do that. Turn one blood is so good as we talked about. And all that adds to the board presence, people of the format. Yeah, that all makes sense to me. And you are crushing it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, you know, whatever. It's early days. I mean, I just feel like it's, it's part of taking all the stuff that we talk about week in and week out and, and applying it and not having to deal with best of one nonsense. <laughs> Okay, so do you feel like your move into big data has also helped the win rate? I think so. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say. It's like it's a, it's a whole it's obviously there's some variance here, but I am also not like I'm not like opening busted bombs. Sure, I've had decks where I get I get a tox roll pack one pick one and I get to build around it and it, I just find it every game and great. But I've also trophied with decks that are just grindy and don't have any rares and can win that way or whatever. And I think that my move into big data has, you know, just helped me. Like I said, it's a gut check when I feel like I'm, it's a toss up between a card. Let me check that. Or, oh, I feel like this card might be better than this card. Let me check that. Like it doesn't decide things for me a lot of the time, but it is just interesting as a, it's, it's just like if I got to have you on the line for every draft, you know, if I get to be like, let me, uh, oh, I think this, let me ask Ben what he thinks. Or it's like, let me ask the aggregate 20,000 games what they think. It's not going to sway my decision, but it is, it's just an extra piece of information. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And I would imagine that is a force to be reckoned with because you are already an insanely good magic player. So adding another (laughs) tool to your arsenal makes sense. Yeah. For sure. All right. Great place to wrap us up. Thank you as always to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thank you so much to ChannelFireball.com for sponsoring this podcast. If you're heading over to CFB for any and all purchases or signing up for CFB Pro, please use the code LOL when you check out to let them know we sent you there. You can check us out streaming. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Mr. is spelled out. We're both under those same usernames on Twitter, and you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks Thanks, everybody. See you later. something like paps packs or something like paps pap paps i tried several times paps just, smear pup just couldn't get it out <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> <laughs>